Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. It's so good to see you back at the shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and this is Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Of course, we had the week off last week for the Thanksgiving holidays, so I'm quite pleased you've come. And I thought maybe this would be a special time to talk about something I have really enjoyed as of late. Uh, here's, a, here's a little thing that you might be interested in. Uh, let me pull this key off our key ring here it's a it's an old key a key from a, a long time ago it is forged of a peculiar metal and if you noticed on the bow of the key uh, it's shaped like a head if you take this key and put it to the base of your skull you might even see a keyhole open up this is a key not unlike a key you would see on a particular netflix series Let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at season two of Netflix's Lock and Key. Of course, I want to thank everyone for uh, coming back for another episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We had this past Thursday off because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully everyone had a joyous and safe Thanksgiving with uh, family and friends or, or whoever you spend your time with. And uh, good to be back. And I'm really excited to talk about this show. This has been uh, one of my more recent favorite shows to come out on Netflix, Lock and Key. Of course, this is season two. Season one came out last year, and uh, I've enjoyed it quite a bit and was really interested in this when I found out that this is based on a graphic novel series illustrated by Gabriel Rodriguez and written by none other than Joe Hill, the son of Stephen King. Now, uh, in full disclosure, I have not read the graphic novel series, but because I've enjoyed this show, so much and I've read a little bit about the graphic novel series I'm really excited to get a chance to read this this graphic novel of course it came out in 2007 I believe 2008 I ran through 2013 and it's taken some time to get this adaptation on the on the small screen or or any screen for that matter because it's it's a really peculiar story it's a very interesting story it's a very joe hill story and and when i say that i mean that it has touches of of what he grew up with and his father because his father was such a prolific horror writer and really excelled in some of his storytelling that had to deal with teenagers and young kids and young adults as a group. You got It, of course, probably the biggest example of that. Uh, Dreamcatcher, uh, Stand By Me, uh, known as The Body, the, the short story. So Stephen King really does a great job of writing these these stories that involve younger people in extraordinary circumstances. I mean, that was a hallmark of movies in the 80s. With movies like Stand By Me, The Goonies, The Explorers, things like that. Kids being thrown into extraordinary circumstances and how they deal with it to save the day. And Joe Hill really following in his father's footsteps in and being able to build a world like this with these young characters 
in these extraordinary circumstances. Now, like I said, I haven't read the graphic novel series Lock and Key, but I have read about it and researching for this episode and just curious as to what this show is based on. I've read a little bit about what the, the graphic novel is about. And one of the key differences uh, between the graphic novel and the Netflix series Lock and Key is that the graphic novel is leans a little more towards horror. It definitely is more violent and and bloody and gruesome. Uh, that is for sure. Now, the Lock and Key series on Netflix has been geared a little more towards a young adult audience, teenage audience. Uh, don't let that scare you away from watching it because it really is a, a fun show, an interesting show. It's got some horror elements to it. It's got some science fiction elements to it, some fantasy elements to it, all of those things all wrapped up into one. And, and I think a really uh, good story with compelling characters. But you don't get a lot of the, the gore that you would get in the graphic novel. So that's one of the things that makes me really excited to read the Lock and Key graphic novel. Uh, I've seen Gabriel Rodriguez's work uh, in, in other graphic novels, and you know it's it's visually stunning. And of course, when you've got Joe Hill writing, uh, that just that makes for a great combination. And I'm excited to see the differences between the graphic novel and the series thus far. So if you're looking for the horror of the graphic novel, if you've read that, you're not going to get it in this, but you are going to get a lot of the key points. Now, does the Netflix series stay 100% true to the storyline of the graphic novel? Not so much. I mean, it, it hits all the same points. It hits all the same key notes as to pardon the pun as the graphic novel but it just does them in a slightly different way so it's not going to be a beat for beat word for word shot for shot remake of the comic but you weren't going to get that uh, that's never done anymore these days but you are going to get a very good representation of what the graphic novel has to offer in this Netflix series because, like I said, they hit, still hit all the same key plot points and character beats. They just do it in a slightly different way. Another one of the biggest differences between the uh, graphic novel and the Netflix series is the location. Now, in the graphic novel, this all takes place in a town called Lovecraft, Maine. Now, Lovecraft, uh, of course, a reference to a horror icon, H.P. Lovecraft, of course, Lovecraft was a huge influence on Stephen King, and, and I'm sure Joe Hill, by default, was influenced by Lovecraft, but they decided to change the name of the town to something different. I, I don't know if that has to do with, because Lovecraft is, is under a lot of scrutiny these days for some very racist ideals that he had back in the day that bled through into some of his stories. You know, that is what it is. You can't go back and make him see the light, the air of his ways. But I also feel that I can read a man's work and read his stories and uh, appreciate what he did for modern horror and especially inventing the cosmic horror genre, uh, subgenre, so to speak. I, I can enjoy that. I can appreciate him for that and still 
not support the views that he had on race that were horrific, they were racist, outmoded, and he wasn't a good man because of that. I, I can separate the two, and I understand if that is the reason why they decided to change the town. Uh, I, I'm all on board for that because it doesn't mean I'm not going to read Lovecraft's work, but I, I can't celebrate him the way I normally would because of the the racism that is tied in with his legacy. But regardless, if that's the reason they changed the name of the town, then then I have no problem with that. But they did change the name of the town to another horror icon and big influence on Stephen King. And probably, like I said, by default, Joe Hill as well. They changed the town to Matheson, Maine. Of course, a reference to author Richard Matheson, who penned some of the most classic Twilight Zone episodes and so many great novels came from this man. I Am Legend, The Shrinking Man, Stir of Echoes, Hell House, and and even things that weren't necessarily horror like What Dreams May Come. So many great novels and of course some of his short stories, like I said, adapted into some of the most uh, iconic Twilight Zone episodes. Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, Little Lost Girl, Death Ship, of course, Button Button was a, a later in incarnation in Twilight Zone and actually uh, inspired the movie The Box. So Richard Matheson, huge name in horror, and I, I think a, a good replacement name for the town with which this, this whole Lock and Key series takes place in. Now, this is going to be a recap of Season 2, and normally when I do a recap of a, a series that is... Uh, multiple episodes in and the other you know series happened before this podcast started i like to do an overview episode but really there's only one other season and i really think if you're interested in this one you have to go back and watch the first one and and i'll give you a brief overview of what happens in the first one of course you've got this family the Locke family and the father is is killed by a former student i believe the family moves to his ancestral home in Matheson, Maine. The family consists of the, the mother, Nina Locke, played by uh, Darby Stanchfield. Connor Jessup plays the oldest son, Tyler Locke. Uh, Amelia Jones plays Kinsey Locke, the, the middle child. And Robert Jackson Scott plays Bodie Locke. Now, you may uh, remember a lot of these names, know a lot of these names. Darby Stanchfield's one of those actresses uh, where she just looks so familiar, but I, I look through her filmography and her, her, you know, what she's done in TV, and it's nothing I've watched, but she's got one of those faces, uh, very uh, like a Neto tool meets Amy Adams, but a great actress. Connor Jessup, I was so excited to see him show up in this because I was a, a big fan of his. He was on the series uh, Falling Skies back in 2011, 2012. I think that show ran through 2015, but he played Ben Mason in that, and uh, just a fantastic actor. Uh, he's not been in a lot over the years. I mean, he's done more lately within the past five, six years or so, but uh, I would like to see more of him because he's just such a good actor. Uh, he's not a young actor. I mean, he's young compared to me. He's pushing 30, uh, 27, 28 years old, something like that. But he has that kind of face that he he can play younger. He can play a teenager, which he does in this. He plays uh, like 17 years old, and he, he does a great job at playing a younger character and has the, the look. And, and, and like I said, just such a fine actor. You know, he's kind of got that caring, compassionate nature to him, but he also can kind of pull off the 
the older brother feel, the the hero vibe. And, and that's really what he brings to the table in this. And everybody in this family are, are good people. You care about them. And I think that's what makes the whole story more most enjoyable. But at any rate, uh, we'll, we'll kind of touch on that a little later. But uh, Amelia Jones plays Kinsey Locke, the, the middle child. And she's done, you know, she's another... Uh, young actress uh she's actually probably playing closer to her age than connor jessup is but she's you know been in uh a a few things uh nothing much that i have had the opportunity to see uh she did play a small bit role like uh the role was called english girl in pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides uh that's probably the only thing i've seen her in but with her performance in this uh, it makes me want to go back and watch other things she's been in because Amelia Jones uh, does a fantastic job. She kind of plays that middle child that is got a little bit of a rebellious nature in her, but not not to where she's just unlikable. Uh, she's just very much in the first season, controlled and held back by her fears, which leads to her uh, using one of the keys in Key House to to get rid of her fear. And, and that all kind of plays in later, uh, actually plays into the second season, which which we'll talk about coming up. But Amelia Jones, excellent job. Jackson Robert Scott plays Bodie Locke, who is the, the youngest child in the Locke family. I, I can't stop thinking about him played uh, Georgie Denbro in It, uh, in it Chapter 2, 2017-2019. One of the things I loved about It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2 was not the movies. Uh, I, I was very disappointed with the direction. I was disappointed with the script. Uh, the only thing that I loved about those movies were it was the casting uh, because they cast those characters so well, uh, especially the young kids that they cast, the adults that they cast, even some of the changes they made in the looks of the adults. You know, Richie is supposed to have red hair. Bill Hader does not. But I didn't mind that because I think Bill Hader captured what Richie was supposed to be as a person. They didn't write it well. And I, like I said, I don't hold the cast responsible for that. That's all in the writing and the directing, which that is where my biggest problem with it, chapter one and it, chapter two. But the casting was impeccable. And really this this young actor, Jackson Robert Scott, played a an excellent Georgie Um you know, very sweet, very, very lovable kind of kid, you know, that, that kind of character. And then he, that kind of transfers over into lock and key. He just plays this really sweet kid. You know, he's a little older now, but he plays that very precocious, uh, always getting into mischief that, you know, that young exuberance, the devil may care. Uh, I'm invincible because I'm young sort of vibe to him and and he just plays it so very well and that character and the way this kid acts could get very annoying but they don't let it happen the writing is such that you know it's not overbearing it's not over the top jackson robert scott i don't know whether it's you know him pulling back but he pulls back just enough that you don't get tired of this kid uh, because kids in, in shows can, and especially ones that are like him, that are just very fun and exuberant and a lot of energy. Uh, it can grate after a while, but they do a good job. He does a good job with, with pulling back just enough so where you don't get exhausted from, from watching this uh, young actor on the screen and this character on the screen. So uh, impeccable job there. 
Another character, we're going to talk more about this character in season two, but uh, a big character in season one was uh, Lysla de Oliveira. She's another actress, not a ton that I'm familiar with, but uh, but she was in the uh, 19 or 2019 uh, Netflix film In the Tall Grass, based on uh, another work of both Stephen King and Joe Hill, uh, wrote this novella together. She played uh, Becky DeMuth in that. But these characters, the the Locke family, come back to their deceased father's ancestral home trying to to rebuild their life. Uh, The mother, Nina Locke, is dealing with alcoholism. It's a little more pronounced in the graphic novel. She's a full-on alcoholic in, in there. In the Netflix series, she's a recovering alcoholic, but still deals with those inner demons that, that, that make her want to, to take a drink. But the kids start finding these keys throughout the house, and these keys have magical properties, uh, like the head key allows you to stick the key in the back of your neck, and it opens a door to your mind you can go in put memories in take memories out in the graphic novel the key works a little different the top of your head comes off and you can see down and see these tiny memories and and whatnot moving around in there but uh i I think i like the tv version of that a little better it seems a little more accessible it seems a little more um like you could manipulate that world a a little better than a tiny uh, room inside your head with all the little memories, uh, representations of memories. But they find keys like this throughout the house. And there is the Liza de Oliveira character, uh, Dodge, who is a called an echo. I'm not really sure the difference between an echo and a demon, or if there is nothing but a very fine line between the two, but she is called the well lady and she's trying to get out and she's trying to get the Bodhi character to get her a particular key that allows you to open a door. And when you open this door, it can open up in a door somewhere else that you've seen uh, called the anywhere key. So she can escape being trapped in this well house. And that really sets up the the whole dynamic between the Dodge character and the Lock kids and their constant battle. The kids trying to protect the keys. Uh, the Dodge character trying to get the keys to, to do whatever nefarious things that Dodge is planning. And season two picks up about three months after the final battle between the Lock kids and their friends and Dodge. Uh, Dodge supposedly sent... Uh, back from whence Dodge came through the black door. Uh, they used the Omega key to, to lock the black door. And we think it's Dodge. It turns out it's not. It's Dodge uses another key to make uh, another one of the lock friends uh, into a lookalike. They put that person into the the world that is, uh, I they don't really explain it. I think it goes into a little more detail in the graphic novel, which I'm excited to read more about, but they don't explain, uh, what is behind the black door, where it goes to what's coming through other than uh, demons. And when demons shoot through, if they don't possess somebody right away, uh, they turn into what's called whispering iron, a little, uh, ingot of of some sort of uh, bizarre iron-like metal that uh, we find out all these keys are forged from. But in the final battle, as we find out, uh, Dodge is not sent back through this portal. Uh, He is, uh, Dodge is their friend Gabe all along. Dodge has been posing as this 
this female, this well lady character, but Dodge has also been passing him herself off as one of the lock friends, uh, Gabe. And another one of the kids helping out, kind of a, uh, an adversary to Kinsey to start off with Eden, kind of like the school mean girl. Uh, she gets possessed by a demon unbeknownst to everybody else. So that's kind of where we pick up. Dodge slash Gabe is still trying to get the keys from the lock kids. Eden is possessed by a demon and helping him. And I have to talk about these two characters because Griffin Gluck plays Gabe and Halea Jones plays uh, Eden. And two really fine young actors. Griffin Gluck as Gabe plays a bad guy really well. He's a, a character I don't I don't recall seeing him in anything that I that I can think of, but he plays that kind of uh, sweet innocence, oh no, I'm not here to hurt you kind of character, but then he's got this this grin this little smirk on his face, and you know he's up to no good. Uh, he really played that character well. Halea Jones played Eden. She plays the the mean girl, the school bully. She also plays, you know, y you feel sorry for her at some points. But then she turns around and does something horrific, uh, like the whole incident at the movie theater in season two that uh, <laughs> it's just, oh, you don't want to mess with this chick. But two fine actors, and they take more of a center stage role in season two. So it was really fun to see them kind of getting into the mix more and showing off what they can do as actors and showing off these characters uh, a little more, which was was quite fun. Now, season two, we're also introduced to Josh Bennett, played by Brendan Hines. Uh, another one of those actors that, uh, you know, it's like I've seen him somewhere before, but I can't place where, but a really good actor. He plays a teacher at the Matheson Academy and a love interest of Nina's. And we'll find he's a descendant of a character that we're going to meet uh, a little bit later. And of course, the Josh Bennett character has a, a young daughter, Jamie Bennett, who befriends the Bodhi character. And they kind of had some, uh, you know, young kid hijinks. It really played into a lot of what the story dove into later in the season. But the season really picks up kind of, like I said, three months or so after the end of season one. And everybody's just kind of living their life. They feel like they've gotten rid of Dodge. Uh, they feel like the threat is over. The kids are using these keys and having fun with it. They find a bunch of new keys. The Hercules key has this little belt and uh, this key goes in it and then it makes you very strong. And Bodhi uh, seems to always have it. He's lifting up furniture and breaking stuff. They find a tiny key that uh, turns up uh, the Bennett's have that uh this house it's a, an exact replica of key house in their possession and Bodhi finds out that this tiny key fits in there and when you open it up uh and the lights you know you turn the key the lights come on you lift off the the roof and you can see everything that's going on in key house and we find that you can put things in there and it turns out uh, giant size in the the real key house like uh, Jamie puts in a gummy bear and Bodhi has this giant gummy bear that he's mowing down on throughout the uh, throughout the season uh, and and that comes into play later when something accidentally gets into the house that 
nobody was quite expecting. But the kids are living their lives. They're dealing with uh, getting older. Uh, We find out that once you hit 18, you stop remembering the magic of these keys and key house. Uh, One of the things that we find out is Nina uh, doesn't remember the happenings and she doesn't remember the kids using the keys and, and they don't understand that. And, and this really plays on her kind of feeling like she's losing her mind. Uh, there are memories that she can't quite remember. The kids are constantly keeping things from her. Uh, you know, it kind of ties back into her alcoholism, uh, the loneliness she feels, the loss of her husband, Rendell. The Nina character had a lot more going on emotionally in this uh, season than she did the first one. I mean, she had a lot of emotional baggage in the first one, but this kind of even ratcheted that up a little bit. And we get to really see Darby Stanchfield kind of stretch her acting legs. And we get to see her in some of the highest highs and the lowest lows because she starts this relationship as well with the Josh Bennett character. And we get to see her happy and feeling alive and, and full of life again that she hadn't really, we hadn't really seen her. Uh, feel that way since the start of the show because in the start of the show she's coming off alcoholism or battling alcoholism Uh, she's coming off the the death of her husband and the grief that she's got going on there Uh, that continues into the season this feeling of alienation because you know the, the kids are keeping something from her that she can't remember uh there's a lot going on and then and then to finally see her happy uh, with this Josh character was just a, a lot of a lot of emotional range for uh, Darby Stansfield in this season with the Nina Locke character. And I'd be interested to see how uh, things progress in season three. But we get to see uh, a lot out of her. We get to see uh, a lot with Connor Jessup and the Tyler Locke character and his relationship with Jackie, played by Genevieve Kang. She is turning 18 ahead of him, and she's starting to forget all the things that they've experienced with these keys and it it puts a strain on their relationship uh, because he's constantly trying to find a way for her to remember she decides that she just wants to forget and and there's a lot of strain on that relationship and and how that relationship ends is is so I don't want to be spoilery in this I'm going to try not to be uh, very spoilery there are going to be some spoilers but I'm not Try not to uh, spoil things too much, but the the tragedy of how that relationship ends is just heartbreaking, and and Connor Jessup uh, really shows why he's such a fine actor uh, with the way he handled this whole end of their relationship. It was just hard to watch. It was so sad to watch. It was a situation where maybe in the back of your mind you saw it coming. But it was a bit of a surprise how their relationship uh, ends up. And, uh, and like I said, both actors, uh, solid job all around. And speaking of relationships, this whole season really revolves around a love triangle between Kinsey and Gabe, who we know is Dodge, who we see trying to manipulate her and, and how she deals with that manipulation. And then the Patrice Jones, who plays Scott Cavendish, from season one. He's a young filmmaker, a love interest to Kinsey at first, and then uh, she gets in a relationship with Do- or with Dodge slash Gabe, uh, who she thinks is Gabe. And, and we see that whole 
love triangle play out because the Scott character uh, kind of has some suspicions about Gabe. Is it jealousy? Is it unfounded because of that jealousy? Or is it real? There's a there's a little bit of a mystery going on there. Now, we know because we've seen that the Gabe character is Dodge, this demon. And we see him manipulating everything, trying to, to play the puppet master to get what Dodge wants. And that is to make a key. And we know this is possible. We know that these keys can be made because they were made by the Locke ancestors in the past and it is revealed that Duncan Locke the younger brother of Rendell, uncle to the Lock kids, played by Aaron Ashmore, who fine actor. You don't die. I don't need to tell you all the great things he's been in uh, Smallville, other great uh, shows and, and movies and whatnot, uh, along with his with his twin brother. But he plays Duncan Locke so well. Uh, he's a he's such a fine actor. I don't need to uh, tell you how good he is. And I, I really enjoyed that he had a bigger, more prominent role in this. And there again, he played a, a lot of emotion in this because, you know, he is an adult. He's forgotten the magic and the kids are trying to get him to remember. And the anguish of him not being able to remember, but knowing something, there's something that he can't put the pieces together thanks to them trying to get him to remember. But he has made a key. He's the only one of the locks uh, of recent day that has made a key. So that puts him on Dodge's radar, puts a, a bullseye on his back as it pertains to Dodge. And another thing I really liked about this season, because it kind of plays into something that is integral in the comic, is that they go back to the past. Um, they go back to the Revolutionary War when this all started, when the first key was made. Now, the story is done a little bit different in the uh, Netflix series than it is in the comic, but it's the, it's the same idea. You get the gist. Now, the Netflix version of this story has Kevin Durand, uh, again, another fine actor of the silver screen and the small screen. He's done a lot of movies and television. I always enjoy seeing him show up in various incarnations of movies and, and television shows, but he plays Frederick Gideon, an ancestor of the Josh Bennett character. He is a commander in the British Army during the Revolutionary War, and he and his troops come to Lockhouse. They they kill, end up getting chased to this coastal cave where this black door is, uh, where the this portal to this other dimension where these demons try to come through, where they thought they had cast Dodge into uh, in, at the end of season one. Uh, he goes down there, and this is a bit spoilery, but gets infected by a demon, but still ends up being caught by the, the American troops and the Minutemen, and eventually hanged. And we think we've seen the last of him. But this season really focuses a lot on the relationships between these characters, and, and growing older, and, and love, and letting go, and... And all the while you have the Dodge slash Gabe character trying to pull the strings to get what Dodge wants. And Dodge does eventually get what uh, he or she wants. And she uh, plays different roles and different, <laughs> different uh, genders uh, depending on uh, who she's looking like or he is looking like. But, but eventually the Dodge character gets figured out and it leads to this, this final battle between the Locke kids and their friends and Dodge. 
slash Gabe, who we do see a reappearance of Lysla de Oliveira, uh, makes an appearance at the end as Dodge, and the climax uh, hits. The kids use all these new keys that they found to battle Dodge, and the day is won. As you would expect. I mean, that's that, that's not... I don't think that's a spoiler. You know in this type of show that the, the good guys are going to win, especially this version of this story. Uh, the good guys are going to win. But is Dodge gone for good? Who knows? We do know one thing that uh, I can't remember who makes it back to the well house. I think it's Eden. But the Frederick Gideon character, played by Kevin Durand, gets out of the well house with the anywhere key much like dodge did so it looks like season three we're going to see kevin durand as the the big bad in in season three and and like i said i have we seen the end of dodge i'm guessing not i don't think so i think this is gonna go into different territory because i think season two went less along the lines of the graphic novel than season one did and i think we're getting into maybe a little more uncharted territory than we were with season one and season three uh i I don't know what to expect i haven't read the graphic novel so i'm not sure exactly where we're at or how close uh season two was to the graphic novels i know season one uh went pretty well through the first three groups of of comics the first three chapters if you will of the comics season two i'm not so sure of but from what i do understand is that we are getting into some maybe some uncharted territory because they've they've changed the story enough with the netflix series that things couldn't happen necessarily how it happened in the graphic novel at this point so we may see uh we may see some elements of the the graphic novel in season three, I don't expect to not see that. Uh, yeah, they've been uh, very good, the producers, uh, about uh, keeping this uh, grounded in the source material. But uh, but I think we are going to see some new things. If you've read the graphic novels, I think you're going to see some things that you had not seen before. So I'm excited to see uh, season three, which I, I did, did see that uh, it has been renewed for a third season. They renewed uh, third season actually prior to the second season being released. So there is going to be a third season of, of Lock and Key. Really excited because this is one of those shows that is just fun. It's got characters that you care about. And to me, that's that's one of the most important things for any movie or series. If I don't care about the characters, then there's no reason for me to care about what happens to them. And I think this show does a really good job and a really good job in casting characters, actors who uh, could play these characters to where I cared about them. Uh, the stakes, while they may not be as high as they are in the graphic novel, because the graphic novel is much more violent, much more bloody, uh, more people die in the graphic novel as, as opposed to the Netflix series. The stakes not might not be as high, but but the stakes that are there make me care about these characters and, and want them to survive, want me to see them take the day and beat the bad guy. And these are characters that you like, and these are circumstances that are interesting. Uh, the whole concept behind these keys being made that do certain things, one you know, gives you wings when you put the key inside this harness, uh, another one 
creates fire when you strike it like a match on on something. Uh, another one allows you to go through a, go, uh, a door and your spirit uh, can fly around the grounds. Just really interesting ideas and really make for interesting stories when told through the lens of these keys, so to speak. Uh, you know, this could be an interesting story and, and a fun story if you had these kids fighting this demon. But when you bring these uh, bizarre keys uh, that can do all these different things and give these characters all these different abilities, it, it puts them a, a little more of an even playing field with a, a demon, which, which I find interesting. I love the supernatural element. I don't want to say it's science fiction, but it is has a science fiction aspect to it to some degree, definitely a fantasy. And there are bits of horror in this. One of the scenes I kind of alluded to it earlier is that uh, something happens and all of a sudden we find this giant, uh, looks like a wolf spider inside the lock house. Uh, now this kind of plays into the little house that is at the Bennett's place. Uh, let you watch it and figure out what happens. But this giant spider, and it's probably one of the best CG spiders, CG giant spiders I've seen in a long time because uh, CG spiders can be horrible. Uh, they can come off very fake, very hokey. There's no weight to them. Uh, Shelob in the Lord of the Rings was was really good. This seemed even better than that because technology has advanced so much from from there to here. But even even some like CG spiders that I've seen, especially giant spiders I've seen in recent movies and things like that, have been pretty bad. This was actually really good, and I am creeped out to no end by spiders. Uh, I've got a pretty good case of arachnophobia going on here. Uh, not so much that it paralyzes me, but not so much that I don't want to step on a spider as soon as I see it. And I'm always looking around my shoulder, just making sure nothing's crawling on the ground around me when I'm when I'm doing these in my studio. But the giant spider scene in the lock house was was quite terrifying. I don't, maybe it's because I'm afraid of spiders that that it was so terrifying, but the the CG was so good or good enough. Could it have been better? CG can always be better. But like I said, one of the better CG spiders, I giant spiders I've seen in quite some time, and it was really creepy and really scary the way this this spider would scuttle and stop and that's I think that's probably one of the things that are creepy about spiders but you do have elements of horror the demon aspect and being possessed is a as a trope of of horror that has stood the test of time you get elements of that so it's not like this is without horror it's just not amped up as much as it is in the comic but you do get enough of the horror you do get enough of the fantasy that this is just such a fun show. Characters you care about. Yeah, is it kind of geared towards a young adult audience? Uh, maybe. But, you know, I think they're, you know, this season was a little darker than the last season. You had a little more murder in this one. You had a little more uh, adult themes in this one. And as these characters grow older, and it ends with the Connor Jessup, Tyler Locke character. He's about to turn 18, and he's gone He's going walkabout. He's going to find himself. And when he comes back, he's probably not going to remember the magic because he's going to turn 18 and forget about all that. And we're going to see how that dynamic plays into this family and into what happens when the third season comes about. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see that next year. But I'm excited to see what the future holds for this, this franchise, uh, this lock and key series, and what more... 
what more can be done? Because there's a lot of room to play in this world because there's a lot of keys that we haven't touched on yet and they could create new keys. Uh, so the sky's the limit as to what can be done to keep the show fresh, to keep it fun. Uh, I think if they m- keep moving it into more of an adult, uh, more of a darker area, I think you're going to find it becoming less of a about teens and young adults and just a more straight up uh, fantasy slash horror uh, show, which, which I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I want to see this show grow as these characters grow. And I want to see this show develop as these characters develop. And I think the production team and the directors they've had, I think they've done a good job in that. Like I said, season two, much darker, much more uh, violent than season one. Do I think it's going to get to the point where it's going to be as violent as the comic? Probably not, uh, because I think they do have a young audience with this. But uh, but I would like to see it kind of go into some, some more darker places and and we'll see if that happens so uh, if you get a chance check out lock and key on netflix it's definitely worth the time like i said if at anything it's a fun show to watch Uh, it's a show you can watch with with your kids uh, your tweens and your your teenagers it has enough of the fantasy and horror in it to keep an adult uh, captivated the characters are interesting enough uh, the circumstances are interesting enough and it, it's all fairly captivating and that's why i enjoy it so much so if you get a chance check out lock and key uh season one and season two which we've just uh, talked about and that's why i always say you know if you want to see more of this stuff on streaming services more things that lean towards horror and fantasy you got to support what's out there already let netflix and these other streaming services know that this is the kind of content you want to see uh support it and then you know maybe the next time they're going to do something that is a little darker uh that is a little more horror centric or fantasy centric or sci-fi centric uh so many great uh, horror fantasy and sci-fi shows that have been on netflix and other streaming services that they've just canceled because no one supported it uh altered carbon i think was an excellent example of that i really dug that show but we got two seasons and they canceled it the dark crystal age of resistance was another great show yeah it was a puppets so was the original dark, dark crystal and that is a cult classic uh that everybody loves these days but for whatever reason, I don't even think it was a matter of uh, Netflix not getting the viewership. I don't think it was a matter of fans not supporting. I think Netflix didn't think that that's something they wanted because they didn't have control over it. But we got to show them that that's the kind of stuff we want. Uh, so I encourage everyone to, to check this out. I hate to be a, a fanboy or uh, banging the drum for you know supporting any sort of streaming service. But I like these shows and it's supporting the show and the, the creators. Uh, of these shows that that I'm all about. So uh, check it out. Lock and Key Season 1 and 2 on Netflix. And hopefully we'll have Season 3 uh, coming sometime here in the near future. Because as I'm sitting here, I just, uh, just realized that they did conclude filming in September of this year. So I'm guessing we're probably going to get Season 3 uh, sometime next year. Probably, probably around September, I'm guessing. Maybe sooner. But uh, we will get Season 3 uh, coming up next year. So really excited about that. So I want to thank everyone for taking the time to hear my thoughts on Lock and Key Season 2, a recap of that season. Uh, Very fun show. I encourage everyone to listen to it. I encourage everyone to also check out uh, 
Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop on Facebook, where we're always posting trailers and articles. Uh, I'm always scouring the internet, trying to find articles on shows and movies that I think will interest you. Uh, other, you know, things that have to pertain to horror, fantasy, and sci-fi that I think uh, that you'll enjoy. Uh, so you can find it all there in one location. Always talking about what we've got coming up on the podcast now we're getting ready to head into december and it's the christmas time of year you wouldn't think it would lend itself to horror fantasy and sci-fi but one we've got a lot of movies coming out in december of course we've got silent night coming out uh, we've got spider-man no way home we've got nightmare alley some other really cool uh, shows that have been released on on various streaming platforms that i've I'm hopefully getting a chance to, to finish watching very soon, and we can talk about those on the podcast. But, you know, there's a lot of horror, fantasy, and sci-fi holiday shows uh, or, or sh- movies and shows based around Christmas, the Christmas holiday, that are, are really fun to watch and really horrific to watch. So we're going to talk about some of those as well. I think I might do an episode where I talk about some of my favorite not-so- Christmassy Christmas movies and TV episodes. I don't think there's any real shows uh, dedicated to horror, fantasy, or sci-fi at Christmas, but they do have some episodes that I think lend themselves to that. So we'll do an episode where we talk about some of my favorite horror, fantasy, and sci-fi Christmas uh, movies and episodes, and uh, who knows what else, but uh, a lot to look forward to in the month of December. So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Check out Odds Bodkins on Facebook, and until next time... Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.